0: Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Show, presented by DraftKings. Here's your host, Marcus Grant.
2: What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show, presented by DraftKings. It's me, your man, M.G. Marcus Grant. Still masking and socially distancing when and where necessary. Hopefully, you all had a wonderful and, more importantly, healthy and safe Thanksgiving wherever you were. So we got... Some post Thanksgiving stuff to clean up a couple of games uh, that we'll talk about. Michael F. Florio will join us to talk about that. We'll also go over our best value picks. And as always, we'll have uh, our big questions for the week. As We hit week 12. We are fully into week 12. So uh, I know for a lot of leagues, just two more weeks of the regular season. There's this Sunday and then there's week 13. And then we are into the fantasy playoffs. we got a whole lot to talk about. Before we do any of that, though, we'll talk to our faithful producer, senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire and – Uh, Murph, we talked on Wednesday, you were trying your hand at sweet potato pies, and I'm curious how they came out.
3: Yep. Yep. Uh, Well, I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving, and thanks for asking about the pies. So excited to say, I think I I I did a pretty decent job. So now I did learn a little bit about baking. With with the brown sugar, it's more moist. So with the concoction in the pie, it probably was a little too mushy. So I have to add maybe uh, some more flour. But in terms of the flavor, I mean, it's... It's a lot better than my original recipe, and now I'm going to start doing a little bit of additions on top. Like what you said about the the pecans, maybe some like caramel drizzle. I think that's mm-hmm. that's probably the winner right there. Um, but yeah, I am I'm pretty proud of. It. I may I may just continue baking. You know, we're he- heading into winter. I may just start <laughs> doing like cookies and stuff now like too. Why not? Right.
2: Absolutely. I, you know, if, if there's one thing that I picked up, I mean, I, you know, this pandemic has changed all of us in a lot of ways. Baking is a thing I have done yeah. a little bit more of. Um, and so like, yeah, it, it's worth it. It's, it's at least fun. I will say this. Baking versus, you know, just cooking other dishes, it, it does require for you to be a little bit more precise Um, You know, when you're just cooking other things, you can just sort of go by feel or by taste or what have you. Uh, Baking does require a little bit more precision, but uh, I'm glad your your pies are not. Otherwise, uh, good Thanksgiving.
3: Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, you know, as good as it could be this year, obviously, but it was, it was good. But uh, you are a hundred percent correct about that. I almost, uh, I, I may start bothering you now about your exact recipe with your <laughs> of the pies, because, because I did notice, like, me just kind of like my, my cooking brain, like, I'll oh, just add a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It, it doesn't, it doesn't work when you're baking. Baking <laughs> is literally just following instructions. Um, you know, you live and you learn. So my trial run was not so bad, but uh, I will improve.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's that's you know everybody needs reps. Just need reps to get better. That's all. Uh, all right. Well, appreciate that. I'm glad everything worked out for you. Uh, let's now bring in our pal Michael F. Florio, who joins us every week on Fridays. And uh, Mike, I, I, I trust you had a good Thanksgiving as well.
4: I did. Uh, my fiance is a great cook. She, she, I helped her, but she was she. I was the sous chef. She was the lead, and <laughs> we cooked turkey and ham and a whole bunch of sides and desserts. I, I want to try Eddie's baking, that sounds awesome, but it was a good Thanksgiving. How was yours, Marcus?
2: It was great. Uh, you know, I, I stayed around the house. Uh, my mom was here, and so she certainly helped. It, it was great because she cooked a lot of things. I did, uh, instead of a full turkey, we did a couple of turkey breasts. So I did one where I roasted it. Uh, I did one where I, I deep fried it. And I have to say, uh, you know, having fried uh, a turkey, not, not a whole bird, just a turkey breast, uh, it came out very good. So uh, I was very pleased I've never had that. that. It's fantastic. i heard it's
4: really good, though. Uh,
2: that I would also suggest, if you know, whenever you cook turkey, uh, if you don't already, to brine your turkey. And um, our pal uh, Matt Money Smith has a recipe that he uses to brine his turkey, and it came out great. So, uh, shout out to Money uh, for helping me uh, kind of put together some of my my Thanksgiving dinner. So, uh, all right, hopefully everybody's was good as well. Now let's turn to some fantasy headlines because things. Uh, have been evolving, and there was uh, a big thing that happened, uh, in fact, just before the games uh, kicked off. uh, Actually, happened on Wednesday, but some some changes as well. Uh, The Baltimore Ravens-Pittsburgh Steelers game, which originally was set for Thursday night, uh, we knew that it was moved to Sunday, but now that game is still very much in jeopardy because there were some more positive tests that came up Uh, on Thursday, including Lamar Jackson, uh, the Ravens' starting quarterback. He was uh, reported to have tested positive for COVID-19. So as of now, as of when we are recording this show, that game is still scheduled to kick off at 1.15 Eastern on Sunday, and I believe uh, it is going to be on NBC as it was originally scheduled. But uh, we're still sort of waiting because depending on what happens with more tests, uh, that game could get moved. It, it could get uh, postponed. I, I am, We still don't know. They're very much uh, up in the air about what happens. We're just still sort of waiting for reports. The Steelers have closed their facility, so they are not practicing on Friday. Uh, there are reports that the Ravens aren't going to be allowed back in their building until Monday, which certainly makes it difficult to play a Sunday game. So uh, there's really nothing else to say about it other than, you know, if you have Ravens and Steelers, you were planning to start. Uh, my suggestion is just to start putting together some contingency plans. Uh, there's no easy way around it. I mean, Florio, this is sort of what we went through earlier in the year. Uh, we had Steelers and Titans, and that was sort of moved around. So, uh, I mean, I don't know if you have any words of wisdom. I think it's just, uh, you know, we kind of we kind of did this dance before, and you just kind of you know, maneuver around it as best as possible.
4: Yeah, and, and I think the good thing here, though, is outside of maybe, like, Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool, there's no, like fantasy stars and yes Lamar was supposed to be a fantasy star but he really hasn't been what he was last year so I think it's a little bit easier to pivot away from him Ben was already having a tough matchup James Conner has a tough matchup Gus Edwards we were excited for but you know that like it's not like you were relying on the Ravens running backs this year so I, I think it's good in the sense that there's not a whole lot of big name fantasy stars that we won't be able to play now
2: yeah, uh, I I I agree with that. Uh, I do know that there are already people in my mentions asking because uh, you know again as of the recording of this, uh, none of these players, at least Lamar Jackson, has not been placed on the COVID reserve list, which means that on NFL.com he is not eligible for any COVID or IR spots that you might have. Again, by this afternoon, by the time this podcast is released, uh, that may have changed, but as of now, that's not the case. So if if you're wondering why you can't put him in a COVID spot, it's because Uh, The Ravens have not officially put him on the COVID list. All right, Uh, other news. There's a little bit of interesting quarterback news around the league. The Jaguars have said they are going to start Mike Glennon at quarterback against the Cleveland Browns. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and try to, Pretzel logic my way into, you know, suggesting you start Mike Glennon in any form or fashion. Uh, But we are, you know, considering starting some of his pass catchers. I mean, guys like DJ Chark, Keelan Cole has played well. Uh, I mean, does this change your mind about any of those guys now that Glennon is starting?
4: Yeah, I can't. I wouldn't want to trust any of the Jaguars players outside of James Robinson. Uh, when we last saw Glennon start back in 2017 for the Bears, his most targeted player was Tariq Cohen. So he wasn't even, and his second most was, uh, I believe it was it was Miller was their uh, tight end then. He was not thrown out wide to the wideouts at all, though, is, is basically the point here. So, and... The Browns on paper may look like a good matchup. I know early in the year, they were allowing a lot of fantasy points to wide receivers, but over the last month, they've allowed the fewest to that position. So get Keelan Cole, DJ Chark. I-, I would get all of those guys out of my lineup this week.
2: Yeah. I, I, again, this is sort of like what you mentioned earlier with the Ravens and Steelers. It's not like these are guys that you must start. These aren't some guys that that are, are anchoring your lineup. If they are, Chances are you're probably not making the playoffs, so you can probably work around having guys like DJ Chark in your lineup, something like that. Uh, I think the most interesting part of this, and it was a tweet that was going around uh, a couple of days ago when when the Jaguars first made this move. You want to talk about the circle of life uh, in NFL quarterbacks. Mike Glennon, who was starting this week, uh, was benched once upon a time for Mitchell Trubisky, who got benched for nick Foles? who got benched in jacksonville for gardner Minshew? who was replaced after he was injured by jake luton and jake luton has now been benched for mike glennon um i don't think this is what disney meant when they wrote the circle of life uh, for the lion king but uh you know this is where we are right now
4: the circle of poor <laughs> quarterback play it
2: is it is the <laughs> mediocre go-round uh if you will um <laughs> More quarterback news. Speaking of Mitchell Trubisky, uh, Matt Nagy, as of now, has not officially announced a starting quarterback for the Bears this week against the Green Bay Packers. But the signs point toward them going away from Nick Foles and back to Mitch Trubisky. I'm not sure where this fits in our mediocre go-round of quarterbacks, but... I mean, I know we've sort of seen this, but is this this good or bad, or is this actually just kind of a net neutral for the Bears offense?
4: I think it is bad because the one piece in this offense that we've been excited about this year, or at least that has been usable, has been Allen Robinson. And Allen Robinson has averaged over 17 fantasy points per game this year with Nick Foles and just nine with Mitch Trubisky. Yes, it was just two games with Mitch, but... Still, that that really hurts because that is the one piece that we've been able to rely on here. The Bears in Trubisky's start this year have averaged 16.7 points per game. Only the Jets are allowing fewer than that. So I don't think this is a great move. But again, it's not like Nick Foles has been playing well or anything either. He was just helping Allen Robinson. I kind of wish we could combine these two into one (laughs) and make like a league average quarterback, like Nick Foles' arm. But Trubisky's legs, because I think that would be the best case scenario for the Bears.
2: You mentioned Trubisky's legs, and that was a thing Adam Rank and I talked about. I don't remember if it was this week or, or last week, but we talked about you know, the, the possibility of Trubisky coming back to be the quarterback. And, and he pointed out rightly that it was a couple years ago Trubisky was actually running, and that made him a viable quarterback. I mean, I don't I'm never gonna pretend that he's a QB1 in any form or fashion. But when he was running and getting out of the pocket, he was a lot more effective. He was picking up, first of all, those those cheat code yards on the ground. Uh, but it was also just another thing defenses had to pay attention to, which opened some things up in the passing game. And I, you know, I don't know if if something happened. I know he took a big hit from Harrison Smith once, and that may have changed sort of the way he he approaches the game. But If he gets back to being that guy who is running the football again, I think that helps everything. And I don't know if that's something that the Bears can encourage or if they can scheme it into the offense a little bit. But I do think that would make a difference, uh, not just for Trubisky, but for everybody, for for Allen Robinson, certainly. Yeah, I just don't know.
4: Did that hit lead to – because now that you mentioned it, I do remember that year he was running, he suffered like a shoulder injury. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. then – He just never like he just never really ran again. So maybe it was that hit that just kind of took that element away. But I think he'd be a lot better for fantasy if he started running again.
2: He would, uh, he would. And I, I just I think you know for Bears fans out there, I think it would make a difference for that offense too uh, if he went back to being that guy. So we will see. Part of me wants Tyler Bray to start because I I am cooking up a hashtag #EatBrayLove that I just want to unleash on the world. Um, You know, so I don't think it's gonna happen because. Look, Tyler, Tyler Bray has been in the league uh, four years, I think, three, four years, and has still yet to actually complete a pass in an NFL game.
4: Um, You've got to so. love that, right? Like, I wish that was <laughs> my job, just getting paid well to just solely be a backup and never even get asked to to step into a game.
2: Yeah. I, you know, I mean, who knows? Maybe he could be Taysom Hill, right? Everybody looked down their nose, oh, Taysom Hill, and he played well last week. I don't think it's going to happen, but you never know. You never really know. Um all right. We had two games on Thanksgiving. We were hoping to have three, but that was not the case. As we mentioned earlier, Raven Steelers postponed for now till Sunday. Uh, but we did have a pair of games. I wanted to call them interesting, but I don't think that was the case. Uh, apparently, you needed 41 points to win in the NFL yesterday because the Texans beat up on the Lions 41 to 24 And it was a big day for the Texans. Will Fuller, six for 171 and two touchdowns. I gave you 35 fantasy points. Deshaun Watson had four touchdown passes over 300 yards. He got you 33. Uh, Adrian Peterson was the top scorer for the Lions, 55 rushing yards and a pair of touchdowns. Uh, I mean, that, that Peterson had a good day, not a surprise against that Texans run defense, especially with no DeAndre Swift there. But, Uh, The bigger thing is just watching the way the Texans moved up and down the field pretty easily. And the way that defense dominated, Uh, you know, JJ Watt had a pick six in that game. Have we reached the point of start everybody against the lions now, Florio?
4: Yeah, I think so. Like this is how many weeks in a row now that whoever's playing them is just going off and putting up huge fantasy production. And, and it's, Early in the year, it was just like the running backs. Like, you can run all over this team. They're allowing the most fantasy points to the position. But in recent weeks, it's been even you can throw on these guys. And And we saw yesterday, like, Watson and Fuller. Watson could have had an even bigger day. There was a couple of drop <laughs> touchdowns. He's been playing so well as of late, and I don't think he's gotten enough credit for it, how how well Watson's been playing. But, yeah, Matt Patricia and this Lions defense fully stack against them every week because they just they can't stop a nosebleed right now. You talk about Deshaun Watson and how well he's playing. I mean, I think some of it is that the the Texans don't have a,
2: a good record. I think if they, if they were competitive, if they were in the race, I think a lot more people would be talking about what Deshaun Watson is doing. But you're right. He's playing lights-out football. Uh, the Lions just – they are a mess completely. And you mentioned the run defense has been bad. I mean, Duke Johnson – uh, had a decent day. He got you double-digit fantasy points. And this, I think for a lot of people, was kind of a make-or-break week for Duke Johnson. You know, if, if he couldn't get it done against this Lions defense, and it probably wasn't going to happen. And so he had a decent day. Uh, mentioned the pass catchers. I mean, Brandon Cooks didn't find the end zone, but he had a number of catches uh, and decent yardage in this one. So uh, I think the, re- the rest of the way, if you see the Lions uh, on the schedule, on, on your fantasy, in your fantasy roster, uh, then you can feel pretty good about starting any of those guys there. Uh, the other game which was equally a blowout, the Washington football team trampled all over the Dallas Cowboys 41 to 16. Antonio Gibson, the star in this one, 136 scrimmage yards, five catches, three touchdowns, uh, 36 fantasy points. I saw Antonio Gibson Twitter taking many, many victory laps, which means they didn't need enough turkey if they were that excited to get up and take victory laps <laughs> in the afternoon. But, you know, good on them. Uh, yeah. Amari Cooper was the high man for the Cowboys, eight for or six for 112, I should say, and a touchdown. That was 23 points there. And then Terry McLaurin, seven for 92. No touchdowns, but it kind of mirrored. I think the first time they played, I think he had seven for 91 or something like that in a touchdown. This one's seven for 92. Uh, but But back to Antonio Gibson, who I know there was excitement about him in August. He got off to a little bit of a slow start. But the last month or six weeks has been just lights out. Uh, 11 touchdowns for him now. He is among the – he actually, I think, is the league leader at this moment in rushing touchdowns. Are we going to be talking about Antonio Gibson as a late first-round pick in 2021?
4: I'm thinking he is going to be borderline late first, early second-round, like, kind of like where, like, Nick Chubb and, like, Josh Jacobs were going this year, whereas, like, if your first round is really running back heavy, you'll see them go, like, picks 10, 11, 12. But if you have a couple people who take wide receivers, you may see him fall to, like, one of the first picks of the second round, but I think he is very much so in that range right now. That And it's not just the touchdowns. Like, yes, that is the big thing. And, and he scored three of them yesterday. And he, like you said, Marcus, he's been great scoring all those rushing touchdowns. But yesterday he was more used in the passing game too. He had six targets at halftime. Like, that is big time passing volume. He's kind of taken over for J.D. McKissick as the primary pass catching running back there. And I think if that is the final step for him, like if he, a former wide receiver can become more of a better pass catcher out of the backfield, then I think the sky is the absolute limit for this kid. We're seeing just how athletic and how explosive he is already. Now imagine if he's you're throwing him the ball a bit more. Right
2: now he is the RB4. And I'm just I'm just sort of you know spitballing in my head about guys when we start getting to the draft that we're gonna be talking about early, right? I mean Christian McCaffrey is still gonna be near the top of the list despite his injury situation. Saquon Barkley uh, should be back. He will be drafted high. You'll have Alvin Kamara uh, you know, I'm curious what happens with Ezekiel Elliott, uh, you know, where, where he sort of slots in, but he's probably going to be a first round guy. I'm thinking Derek Henry, uh, you know, maybe Dalvin Aaron, jo- yeah, Dalvin Cook, uh, you know, throw Aaron Jones in there. And so you're right. Maybe he is, maybe he sneaks into the back part of the first round, depending on how people feel about, you know, say James Robinson or, or somebody like that. Um, you know, I've. Nick Chubb, I should put in there, you know, he's another guy who's probably going to get some love probably late, late first, early second. So there's going to be, I think, a fist fight for running backs in the first couple rounds of the draft. And, and whether or not Gibson is late first, early second, he's going to be a guy that's going to get a whole lot of love in this offense. And uh, the, the fantasy
4: know. community is going to hype him up so much. In so... like I can already see it now. They're just <laughs> so much,
2: so much hype coming for Antonio Gibson. Uh, It it will be interesting. You know, I know that, you know, for a lot of people, we're still worried about the playoffs, but for those of us who are looking ahead in some respects, Antonio Gibson is going to be an interesting one when it comes to the rankings for him uh, come next season. All right, today's show is sponsored by DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week, so download the DraftKings app now. Use code TEAM during sign-up and start feeling the sweat like never before. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. As we jump fully into Week 12, let's look at some of the big questions that might be facing fantasy managers this week. Let's start in Cincinnati where the Bengals are trying to regroup after losing Joe Burrow to a pretty serious knee injury. His season is done. They're hopeful that he'll be ready to go for the start of 2021, but... Uh, There are still some interesting fantasy pieces there in Cincinnati. By the way, just a quick update. Gio Bernard was at practice on Friday, and according to the beat writers there, it looks like he is on track to play. So anybody with Gio in the lineup or on their roster, you can feel a little bit more confident about having him uh, in the lineup this week. So that's some good news there. But uh, one of the questions that I certainly have gotten a lot this week, and maybe you have as well, Florio, is about – Uh, the pass catchers, specifically a guy like Tyler Boyd, uh, who was really kind of a fringe, you know, top 10, top 12 wide receiver for most of the year. Where do you have him ranked this week, knowing that it's going to be Brandon Allen at quarterback?
4: He is still my highest ranked of the Bengals wide receivers, but I have him down at wide receiver 25. Uh, I'm pretty nervous about these Bengals receivers this week. Uh, Like, I have T. Higgins, I think, outside the top 36, and A.J. Green is droppable at this point. But Boyd and Higgins, people, be a little bit patient with. Marcus, I don't know if you got any, but I got a lot of tweets saying people were just going to drop these two, and I was like, you're skipping the step of, like, even taking them (laughs) out of your starting lineup. Like, don't just go from starting lineup to dropping these guys. But my issue with Boyd, I'm worried with Higgins, with James Bradbury, but with Boyd, what I'm worried about is – Brandon Allen last year only threw to the slot on 13% of his throws. And we know Boyd is a primary slot receiver. That's where he runs 78% of his routes. So I'm just worried if the connection and the volume that we've seen for Boyd with Burrow is going to be there with Allen.
2: That is sort of a concern. What I hold on to is the Bengals are still going to be a high-volume passing offense because their defense is going to give up points and they're going to have to stay in game. So that's a plus. And Boyd is still the number one target in the offense, so that is a plus. Uh, I know everybody looks at it and says, well, he's still going to get targeted a lot. And, and I think sometimes we have to look at you know, there, there are targets and then there are quality targets because we have seen, I mean, look at last year, say in Pittsburgh, when Roethlisberger went down and they were sh- they were shuffling through Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. And yeah, you had guys getting targets. They weren't necessarily, necessarily quality targets. I mean, I think you can say that last year in Carolina too. I mean, uh, you, you look at DJ Moore and, and he had a good season. He got targeted a lot, but he there were a lot of balls that just weren't catchable. So I do have that concern. If there is one thing that sort of brings me back, it's that I went back and looked at least at the numbers of Brandon Allen's starts last year in Denver. He made three starts last year. In two of them, he did have a hundred yard receiver. One week it was Cortland Sutton. One week it was Noah Fant. So that at least gives me a little bit of of faith that, you know, if he can find a guy to lock in on and, and presumably that guy is going to be Tyler Boyd. That he will pepper that guy, hopefully with catchable targets, uh, and at least boy, boy his target, uh, his his value a little bit. Uh, but I'm with you. Also, don't drop Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins yet. Like, let's relax, folks. Like, let's you know, at least if nothing else, if you if you don't want to start him, fine, I get it. But at least take a wait and see and and figure out how this Bengals offense is going to go before you just completely punt on them or just punt on them. And if you do it in one of my <laughs> leagues, I will gladly. Uh, add Tyler Boyd to my roster for the stretch run and, and see what happens. But uh, patience, folks. Don't don't freak out just yet. Uh, more wide receiver talk. A.J. Brown, who I sort of learned the hard way a couple of weeks ago, should probably always be in your lineup. Um, he does not have a very favorable matchup against the Colts. In fact, I'm very much on of the opinion that you can fade Ryan Tannehill very easily this week. But Brown is sort of a different prospect. I mean, how much faith do you have in Brown against a good Colts defense?
4: So I know I should be worried, and, and I'm definitely lower on Brown this week than I normally am, but I still have him ranked pretty high. And I, like, I have him in a couple leagues. I'm not even thinking about sitting him. Uh, I, I understand. Tough matchup. And, and I'm with you, Marcus. I think this is a week you can get away from all of your Titans that aren't named A.J. Brown or Derrick Henry, because it is a really tough matchup against the Colts. And I I understand, a couple weeks ago, the Colts held A.J. Brown to just 3.1 fantasy points, his worst game of the year. But let's not forget, too, that he had a touchdown, a long touchdown, could have been touchdown down the sideline that he dropped like three different times. He was bobbling it. He had space, and he just dropped it. He had another drop down the sideline that he would have had more yardage on. So it, it was just... He played poorly. It wasn't all about the defense, but he is just one of these players that it just takes one play. Like, you could throw him a short pass. He could just break a tackle and take it the distance because he's so dangerous that I think he is a must-play option every week regardless of the matchup.
2: That, I think, is a big point, too, the fact that he is a guy that doesn't necessarily need a lot of targets. I mean, last year, part of what made him so amazing was that relative to other wide receivers that scored about where he did in fantasy – he got a significantly lower number of targets. Some of that is just by design of the Titans offense. They turned very heavily to Derrick Henry. They had a quarterback in Ryan Tannehill last year that was incredibly efficient on a, a relatively low number of throws. And so Brown didn't see as many targets, but he can figure out a way to produce big numbers without seeing the ball a lot, yards after the catch are a huge part of his game. Uh, we saw just that that monstrous touchdown where he's you know breaking tackles and dragging guys along with him. So uh, it, that alone is reason to that makes it hard to sit AJ Brown. But you know I think this is a week where you just sort of temper the expectations of what the production is. If he gives you a huge number, then you know hey that's that's just gravy. Uh, but, but like I said, I learned the hard way to not sit A.J. Brown, even when you think the matchup isn't particularly a good one. Uh, Alvin Kamara, another guy that you're never going to sit because the ceiling is so high for him. But last week, with Taysom Hill sort of stealing the spotlight, uh Kamara didn't do much uh, there were a number of of lesser running backs that bested him in fantasy points and some of it is because Taysom wants to run the ball himself he scored those two rushing touchdowns should we be a little bit concerned about Kamara's production as long as Taysom is the quarterback
4: I think definitely like I I lowered him he is still my RB5 this week that I think is the lowest I've ranked him all year that just shows <laughs> you how good he has been um and the touchdowns are definitely concerning because Taysom Hill vultured two of those. And with Drew Brees, we know that those are going to to Kamara. But I think what's not getting enough attention is the fact that Alvin Kamara, in his first start with Taysom Hill, it was his first career game without a reception. 54 <laughs> straight games, he had at least one reception. We know he gets double-digit targets routinely with Drew Brees. He didn't even have a single catch with Taysom Hill. That, to me, is really concerning because those catches give him such a safe floor each week, and they raise his ceiling. So I think if we're seeing, even not saying he's not going to have a catch this week, but even if it's like two or three catches compared to, you know, the normal six, seven, eight that we get out of him, that is a significant decrease to his fantasy production. Absolutely. Uh, I I remember
2: one target that he dropped. It was supposed to be a screen pass, and uh, he'll kind of threw a rifle shot at him from just a couple yards away, and he dropped it. That's the only target I remember for him in that game. And that is definitely a huge part of what makes Camara dangerous and what makes him successful. You would think that the Saints will try to work that in this week against the the Broncos. I, I don't I just don't think that they can go with the exact same game plan after Denver has had a week to sort of study that tape and try to figure out. Uh, where to shut down Taysom Hill. So I do think you're going to see Kamara get more involved. But I worry about what happens down near the goal line because we have seen that that Sean Payton and the Saints aren't afraid to let Taysom Hill run the football pretty much in any situation. But uh, you're talking about a big, sturdy guy that uh, and if if they get down near the goal line, I wouldn't be shocked to see some Taysom Hill keepers. And uh, part of what makes Kamara so valuable is not just the reception, but it is his nose for the end zone. So if that goes away, uh, I think he definitely takes a hit there. Uh,
4: Marcus, last one is yeah. is Taysom Hill gonna make Kamara a rich man's Devin Singletary?
2: Ooh, he might. <laughs> I you know what? It's very scary. I hadn't thought about that, but now that you said that, now that you've planted that seed, I am I, I have concerns. Uh let's hope not. <laughs> let's hope let's hope let's hope last week was just kind of a speed bump that they were trying some things out. Uh, and let's hope that the Saints offense gets back closer to what we're used to seeing, because man, that would be it would be frustrating <laughs> for us to go into the fantasy playoffs with suddenly that change uh on your roster. So uh let's 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 hope not. <laughs> All right. Uh, last one. Debo Samuel is one of a number of Niners that's expected to be back this week. He's supposed to be back. Raheem Mostert, I believe Jeff Wilson may also be back. Uh, but let's talk about Debo, because the Niner passing game certainly could use some help. Uh, it's not a great matchup against the Rams, who have done a good job clamping down on opposing receivers. But let's say you were, you know, you're hurting for, for wideouts. You're hurting at the flex spot would you consider starting Debo Samuel this week?
4: Debo is someone that I've grabbed if he's out there on the waiver wire, because we know what his upside is, but I'm not, I'm trying really hard not to have to start him anywhere. And I don't have him in any of my starting lineups this week. Uh, It's his first game back from a hamstring injury. That right there is a little bit concerning to me because we've seen him struggle to stay on the field this year. So I want to kind of see that he is healthy and can handle a full workload. Plus, it's Nick Mullins as his quarterback, and Marcus. You've you've seen a lot of Mullins firsthand. <laughs> I, I don't fully trust him uh, to get the most out of my fantasy players. And then, like you said, it's a really tough matchup. The Rams have allowed the fewest fantasy points and yards to wide receivers this year, and he could have a healthy dose of Jalen Ramsey on him. So, I, all of that is enough for me to say take a wait and see approach with Debo Samuel.
2: I think that's fair. I, I, I think if there's any upside, it's that they do try to get the ball in his hands in a number of different ways. I, I Part of what I lean on, I think a part of what a lot of 49er fans lean on just from a football standpoint is the creativity of Kyle Shanahan. But you're right. That may not be enough. When you have a quarterback in Nick Mullins that you're sort of trying to to, to lead along and, and kind of give him some safe throws, you've got that Rams defense. You've got Jalen Ramsey sitting there on the other side, so uh, it might be best to sort of avoid this one. Uh, real quick, w- would you start Raheem Mostert if he
4: is back? Probably, yeah. Like running back is is pretty rough right now even though we're starting to get like (laughs) Mostert and Eckler and pieces are coming back which is great but I think if you've been waiting on Mostert this long I'm probably starting
2: yeah, I I would probably start him as well. Uh, all right, hey, for more analysis like that, you can check out myself and Michael F. Florio along with Adam Rank and Kimmy Checks on Fantasy Game Day on Sunday mornings. We kick off at noon Eastern, nine a.m. Pacific. You know where to find us streaming on NFL.com, in the NFL apps, and at YouTube.com/slash NFL Fantasy Football, where Michael F. Florio will be answering your questions up until about fifteen minutes or so before kickoff on that one. It's time for Best Value, presented by DraftKings. Every week we try to give you the most bang for your daily fantasy buck. So Michael F. Florio and I go through and uh, pick out some guys that can help give you a little bit more lineup flexibility for the week. We'll start at quarterback. Uh, Which signal caller are you looking at for the best value?
4: I think I went with this guy last week, too. I'm sticking with him. I'm going with Derek Carr. Uh, It's just such a great matchup going up against the Falcons who have allowed the most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks this year. They've given up just a ton of points on a weekly basis. And Derek Carr, he's just playing well. Like last week in a bad matchup against the Chiefs, he went out through uh, for 275 yards and three touchdowns. So He's just playing good football now. He's adding a little bit more points with his legs as of late, running a little bit more. Uh, And he's cheap. I like Derek Carr uh, in DFS and just as a top 12 quarterback this week.
2: Very much like Derek Carr. And he is very quietly, I think, having one of the best seasons of his career. I know it hasn't always translated to fantasy points, but I do think this is a week where you're going to see uh, that fantasy production increase. I'm going with Cam Newton here, and it might not be quite as much of a value. uh, Newton right now at 6,400 on DraftKings, but I do think the production possibility is there. Uh, The Cardinals have been pretty lax when it comes to slowing down fantasy quarterbacks. And on top of that, they've given up the third most rushing yards cam this year hasn't run the way we've seen in past seasons but he is still the second leading rusher on that new england squad behind damian harris so this feels like a situation uh, where cam can kind of get right and plus look if the cardinal offense is clicking uh which you know they kind of got shut down last week but when they are clicking we know they can score a lot of points which means the patriots may have to score a lot of points to try and stay in the ball game uh okay running
4: back who's your value this week I'm going with Wayne Gallman, and I know like we never would have thought this a couple weeks ago, but (laughs) Wayne Gallman's been playing pretty well. He's scored a touchdown in four straight games, and I think he has five in that four-game span. And he's only $5,000 on DraftKings against the Bengals, who allow the third most rushing yards per game to running backs. So I think with it being a good matchup, with his work being safe, especially near the goal line, that uh, he's a cheap, safe play, but his upside is even higher.
2: Definitely like Wayne Gallman, and you're right. I don't think we ever would have imagined. I mean, look, let's remember, when Saquon <laughs> went down, I, I don't know that anybody was excited about Wayne Gallman. The the thought was, well, they're going to sign somebody, then they brought in Devontae Freeman, and, you know, but Gallman has persisted and, and, and succeeded. I'm going to go Todd Gurley, and this, I think, sort of speaks to how far Todd Gurley has fallen in just a couple of years. Uh, to to think that, Look, two years ago, we never would have imagined Todd Gurley as a value pick. Uh, But here he is sitting at 5,500 and a good matchup against the Las Vegas Raiders who have struggled against fantasy running backs this year. And I know Gurley hasn't necessarily been a yardage monster, but more often than not, he is finding his way into the end zone. And that has been helping his fantasy value. Um, You know, it's I, I can't believe I can't remember who it was, but someone joked. Uh, on Twitter that nobody gets top 15 value out of 60 yards a game like Todd Gurley. And that really <laughs> is the case because he does find his way into the end zone more often than not. The Raiders uh, have allowed a lot of fantasy running backs into the end zone, so Todd Gurley uh, could be an option. And it's just it's just wild. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was the consensus number one overall pick in fantasy not that long ago, uh, and now he's a, a fantasy daily uh, value pick here. Uh, wide receivers. Uh I feel like you're you're stacking up here at your wide receiver spot.
4: I'm stacking up. I'm going with Nelson Swagilar yeah. going up against the Minnesota <laughs> the Atlanta Falcons. And the Falcons matchup is just part of it. Like there are a great matchup. They give up the third most fantasy points to receivers, the second most yards this year, but What's even better, I think, is the consistent production that we've kind of been getting out of Nelson Aguilar. He has scored over 13 fantasy points in five of his last seven games, including over 20 in two of them. But he has two duds in that span, one of which was just a bad game. But one of which then was, if you remember, Marcus, it was really bad weather in Cleveland a couple Mm -hmm. weeks ago. Terrible winds. That, That one hurt him as well. But last week, he had nine targets, which tied a season high. He had three targets of 20-plus air yards, and three red zone targets. So they're targeting him deep down the field and near pay dirt. That is a very easy way to rack up fantasy points in bunches.
2: Yeah, we we we, uh, we need to come together as, as a community and come up with a new meme for Aguilar. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we need something new. I'm going to keep it in my Homerish Trojan family and go with Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, going against the Tennessee Titans this week. The last couple of weeks, Pittman has been a top-12 fantasy receiver. He's led the Colts in receiving yards in three straight games, scored his first NFL touchdown uh, last week, and has a great matchup against the Titans, who have actually allowed the second-most catches to wide receivers this year. They've given up the fourth-most fantasy points per game. So this is a situation where the, the Colts seem to have kind of found something in their passing game the last couple of weeks, and a lot of it revolves around the rookie who has stepped up Uh, And at 5,000, I think he's a nice uh, value pick to throw in to
4: your lineup. Uh,
2: Okay, over to the tight ends. Who are you looking at this week?
4: I'm going with Evan Ingram here. I I know the last time we saw him on the field, he disappointed against the Eagles. He had his bye last week. But don't forget about what he was doing before that Eagles game, seeing nine targets, then 10, then 10, scoring double-digit fantasy points in all of those games. I think that he is Daniel Jones' favorite receiver in this offense and that's going to come into play this week against the Bengals team who is in the top three in fantasy points allowed to tight ends and yards and touchdowns allowed to tight ends so great matchup and opportunity going his way and you get him for 4,500 you don't have to pay up for him or anything like that.
2: Evan Ingram uh, a couple of weeks ago before the trade deadline he was one of those guys I suggested trying to add just because uh The schedule worked out, and it looked like the Giants were starting to get him more involved again, so I I definitely like that pick. I'm going to go Hunter Henry uh, because I I like the matchup. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game between the Chargers and the Bills this week. I I expect a lot of the the fantasy-relevant guys to have good games. Both quarterbacks, I think, are going to put up some big numbers, but I think you can sort of count on the receivers, and I think you can count on Hunter Henry as well. We're starting to see him get a little bit more involved in the passing game. I will say that on um, big picture, I was a huge Hunter Henry fan. Still am, but I just don't think he's going to end up being the kind of fantasy tight end that I hoped he would be. Uh, I thought he was going to be a nice, seamless transition from Antonio Gates, but, but I don't know if that's going to happen. But this week, at least, uh, at 4,800, uh, I think he's a nice guy to get into your lineup. Uh, all right, so we round this out with defenses. Uh, which one are you looking at?
4: I'm not streaming against the New York team and the Eagles are on Monday, (laughs) so I can't stream against them. So I went in a different direction. Uh, It's kind of low hanging fruit. I'm going with the Browns against Mike Lennon. We know the Browns can get after the quarterback and get pressure on him. But so much more of this isn't against Mike Lennon uh, and the Jags team that are missing some key pieces this week. So I I think it is if you're you know, it's just a good time to get the Browns defense in. Sometimes these matchups are just kind of there for the taking. And I think this is one of them.
2: I love the Browns, and and, uh, and somebody asked recently, you know, about defenses they can sort of pick up to get them through the rest of the season. The Browns were the first one that popped to mind because of the way the schedule breaks down. I'm going to go with the Giants here because they're the first ones that get a crack at the Joe Burrowless Cincinnati Bengals, and, you know, while we still believe that maybe Tyler Boyd can have some production, I also think that they can get after Brandon Allen. They can force some turnovers. They can they can do some things uh, to kind of generate some fantasy points here. So uh, I think this is an opportunity to get the Giants in your lineup to to hope that they can make some plays. Um, you know, maybe the Bengals score some points, but but I don't know that it's going to be enough to completely wreck your day. So uh, I would give them a a swing, give them a shout. So weirdly, none of us uh, went after the New York teams this week or went after the Eagles this week. Uh, so this is a this is a, a great moment in. Uh, Best value history. All right. That was best value presented by DraftKings. It's time for best of the pack presented by Panini Trading Cards. Every week we open a pack of cards. We pick out three of the best ones and we talk about them. So uh, this week we will start at the quarterback spot, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, there's not too much bad that you can say about Patrick Mahomes. The guy has been lights out for the last few years now. Uh, he has had a pretty safe floor. Uh, he does have one game under 20 points this year, and that is it. Uh, the matchup, not a great one on paper. I mean, we're not benching Mahomes. I mean, that would be crazy talk. But uh, can he keep his 20-point uh, you know floor intact against the Buccaneers this week?
4: Yeah, I definitely think he can. Uh, I, I know this is a, on paper, it's not a great matchup. I felt that way when he was playing the Ravens uh, earlier this year, and he threw, he put up a 40-burger on them in fantasy, put up like four touchdowns and a whole bunch more numbers. Like you said, Marcus, over 20 in all but one game. I, I think he's a safe bet to get there again. And one thing, though, that, that I don't think he's getting enough credit for, because remember in 2018 when he, he set the record for most fantasy points and and won the MVP and all that. Like, he was the talk of, of fantasy that year and how good he was. He is averaging just 0.06 less fantasy points per game this year than in 2018. So he's basically giving you exactly what he was two years ago.
2: It's funny because you talk about guys who become victims of their own success, and Patrick Mahomes is definitely one of them. I mean, you, you talk about the production and, and what he's doing on the field. And the fact that we don't just look at him and automatically like, yeah, he's the MVP. Like, of course. Uh, speaks to, like, you know, because he has done so many incredible things in his relatively short NFL career that now he does Patrick Mahomes things we're kind of like, uh, yeah, but, I mean, look at Kyler and look at, you know, this guy, look at that guy. So, um, you know, he's still amazing. He's still phenomenal. He's the guy that that has – if you drafted him early, uh, he becomes the counterpoint to the wait on a quarterback argument. It's like, yeah, you could wait on a quarterback – or you could draft Patrick Mahomes. Um, so so he, he he's a start every single week. And I think you could feel pretty good about 20 points, uh, even against the Buccaneers. Uh, all right, next up is Stefan Diggs uh, from your Buffalo Bills. And I feel like this is a guy who. Maybe isn't getting quite the love he should be. As we sit here and talk now, he is the wide receiver six this week. Uh, I believe he is second in the NFL in receptions. He is third in receiving yards. Uh, He's been just phenomenal since he's gotten to Buffalo. Where do you have him ranked this week against the Chargers?
4: I have him ranked as my wide receiver six because I, I agree with the, everything you said there, Marcus. I don't think he's getting enough recognition. And it's not just like last year. He he was able to salvage his fantasy years by having some really big days. And, and it was just very up and down. Like he'd either catch you a long touchdown or he'd give you single-digit fantasy points. This year, though, he it's the opposite of that. He's just been so consistent week to week to week and i will hold the stefan Diggs l hard because <laughs> i was baiting him coming into this year i was high on josh allen but i thought that it was going to be one of those offenses where you want the quarterback but not so much the all the different pieces around him because i thought like it could be a Diggs week than a john brown week but Diggs has just been consistently awesome each week and, and i i know you said earlier you expect big things in this game marcus i i'm with you i think this could be a really high-scoring game and one of the better ones of the weekend.
2: This this should be a lot of fun to watch. I definitely gonna I'm gonna tune in and check this thing out. And and yeah, Stefan Diggs has been just lights out all year long. I, I you know, I thought he'd be okay. Uh, I did think he'd get more targets moving from Minnesota to Buffalo, but I I did not expect the level of consistency week to week because as you mentioned, uh, he had been sort of a roller coaster guy with the Vikings. Some weeks were huge, some weeks not so much, but he has been a set it and forget it guy every single week. You can count on double digits. I think he had one game with 10 points and that was his low for the year. Everything else has been pretty, pretty lights out with Stefan Diggs. and, And I think, you know, That's going to continue, and I think we're talking about him as maybe a second-round pick uh, next year. All right, last one. It is Mike Gesicki from the Miami Dolphins. Uh, This is a guy that I had big expectations for this year. He has not really lived up to them. Uh, He had a couple of big games early in the season. I don't think he has a touchdown since week three. Uh, But this week, at least on paper, it's a pretty decent matchup for him. Would you consider giving him a start in, in your fantasy lineups?
4: Hard pass. I, I am completely <laughs> washing my hands free of Mike Kaseki. Maybe it's because I drafted him in a few leagues, and, you know, I benched him in that big week three blowup he had, Marcus, and then I got him back in my lineup for the zeros and, like, the twos that he's been putting up. I, I dropped him everywhere I had him. It just hasn't happened with Tua. They're, the passing game is a whole here, like, Tua hasn't thrown 250 yards in a game this year, so I think it's clearly – Uh, For fantasy, taking a hit, moving from Fitzpatrick to Tua. And and Gasecki is, at best, the third target there. I I just, I want nothing to do with him. I'm washing my hands clean of him. Someone else could start him. He will not be in any of my lineups. You talk about that big
2: blow-up game early in the season. He had 27 points in that one. He has 81-plus for the season. So almost a third of his fantasy points have come in one game, Uh, I think he has one other game with like 10 points and that's it. So this one, I will, I will take an L on this one. Uh, I really thought good things were coming from Mike Gasicki based on the way he finished last season. Um, That has not been the case. And honestly, not having Preston Williams hasn't done anything to help him. You you would think that maybe with no Preston Williams, that maybe this opens up some targets for Gasicki. But no, I mean, we have seen Jakeem Grant step in and be more fantasy relevant in the last couple of weeks than Gasicki. So uh, I get it if you decide to pass on him. There there has been nothing to suggest uh, that maybe the blow-up, maybe there's a big blow-up game coming this week, who knows? But there's been nothing over the last six, seven weeks to suggest that, you know, you can really reliably – Count on this guy at all in your lineups. So you might have heard the NFL is a passing league. And because of that, we have seen the rise of a number of good wide receivers. And sometimes you get a couple of guys on the same team that ball out at the same time. So that made us wonder about some of the top wide receiver duos that fantasy has seen. So we went and decided to ask a nerd. We went to our pal Matt Okada and asked him about some of the top wide receiver pairs in fantasy football.
5: Thanks, Marcus. Happy Friday, and welcome to Ask a Nerd. Without further ado, here is our carefully curated list of the top fantasy seasons by a wide receiver duo in NFL history. At number five, we start with one of the greatest NFL duos of all time, Chris Carter and Randy Moss, in 1999. Despite a mid-season QB switch by the Vikings, Carter and Moss each posted at least 1,200 yards and 12 total touchdowns, Finished four and a half fantasy points apart and combined for 588.8 fantasy points in total. And number four is a pair we all remember: Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster in 2018. Juju had over 1,400 yards in his second-year breakout, and AB scored a league-leading 15 receiving touchdowns and route to a combined total of 620.6 fantasy points. At number three is one of many famous Packers duos: Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb in 2014. Captain by that year's QB1 Aaron Rodgers, both guys tallied 12-plus receiving touchdowns for a total of 25, most on our list, and had a combined 621.3 fantasy points overall. Our number two duo actually comes from the same season. It's Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. Sanders was a new guy in Denver replacing Eric Decker, and he stepped up big. He and Thomas combined for over 3,000 yards, scored 20 touchdowns, and finished with 642.7 fantasy points combined. And the top spot on our list goes to a somewhat surprising duo, Herman Moore and Brett Perryman for the 1995 Detroit Lions. Led by QB Scott Mitchell and complemented by Hall of Fame running back Barry Sanders, the Lions duo combined for 231 receptions, over 3,100 receiving yards, and 687.2 fantasy points, all good for best on our list. This has been Ask a Nerd, Duos Edition. I'm Matt Okada. I'll see you next Friday, and may the fantasy points be with you.
2: Thank you, Matt. Always good information. And uh, the duo of Brett Perriman and Herman Moore, that that was a surprise. Uh, that was also, I think, the season uh, that Scott Mitchell basically turned into and, uh, and, and hornswoggle the Miami Dolphins into giving him a big contract where uh, he didn't do much (laughs) after that. Uh, But it did lead me to the thought of of all the duos we've seen this year, Florio. I mean, there are a lot of of good pairings out there across the NFL. Who do you think currently is the top wide receiver duo in the league?
4: So I'm a fantasy guy because I think you could make the argument that for talent-wise, maybe there's one ahead of these two. I don't think there's a whole lot. But for fantasy this year, I don't think there's any debating who the best duo has been it's dk metcalf and tyler lockett like on the year right now tyler lockett is the wide receiver four dk metcalf is the wide receiver six dk has just been consistently great he's had two bad games i know lockett's been a little bit up and down but i have both in a couple different leagues and i'm plenty happy with the production i'm getting out of these guys pretty much every single week so i think uh i was debating between them and julio and ridley but i think for fantasy this year these two have been the superior options
2: I think you're probably right. I am actually going to go uh, maybe outside the box, but I'm staying in the division. I'm going to go with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. And some of it, I think, is is their talent. Some of it is, I think, skiing. Because even in a year where the Rams have not been super efficient throwing the football. These guys have both found ways to produce. I think give give some credit to Sean McVay for being creative and getting the ball in their hands and finding ways to get them out in space. We saw last week against the Buccaneers. They just excelled when it came to yards after the catch, uh, did some big things. And part of it is that both these guys have stayed healthy most of the year. I think that for me... At least for for 2020, uh, sort of is a knock on Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Uh, they just they've had some health issues that have kept them off the field or at least had them underperform in certain situations. So uh, I think the the Lockett Metcalf call is an excellent one. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go and pivot and go a little bit differently uh, and go go to Woods and Cup. Um, I look, I, what, feeling Justin Jefferson get an honorable mention at least for this thing. I was
4: gonna say I think in a year though we may be talking about the Vikings guys as the top. Top two. There's a lot of good ones though. Like I was thinking about it. There's there's them, there's Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, not nearly as good. But if Devontae Adams can ever get a consistent number <laughs> two there, like there's some really good duos in the NFL right now. I think you know, I think you know if
2: Joe Burrow can come back healthy, I think we might be talking about Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins in the very near future. Um, yeah, there are there are a lot of really solid duos. Uh, when it comes
4: to to fantasy
2: wide receiver production. He's, so.
4: he's not a receiver, but Hill and Kelsey are are definitely True. up there for top duos.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, Travis Kelsey almost functions like a wide receiver <laughs> at this point. I mean, he really does. I mean, I think if you, affect, if you look at his production, uh, he's what, just under 200 fantasy points. I think uh, he would be uh, looking at, he would be the wide receiver four. Right now, <laughs> and Tyreek Hill is currently the wide receiver two. Uh, Travis Kelsey would be the wide receiver four. So that would actually make them better than Metcalf yeah. and Lockett uh, at this point. So
4: don't sleep uh, on on Kelsey as a first round pick next year, right? Like we, we can agree on that yeah. Mark. right? <laughs> He's gonna be a first
2: round pick just because I don't think you know. Look, if you can have that peace of mind at tight end, um, you you do it. And so I, I think if you if you have tra- Travis Kelsey late first round. I don't think anybody's going to gonna make fun of you for that one. God. This is where we are. Uh, and, and again, <laughs> we're going to get into August. We're going to be like, tight ends deep, and then we're going to get to October. We're like, you should have drafted Travis Kelsey in the first round. Because What is wrong? With
4: if you me? think tight ends deep, you're going to end up asking yourself in week 12 if you could start Mike Kasecki or not. So exactly. you don't want to be that in that position. <laughs>
2: exactly. That, this is the ultimate how it started, how it's going <laughs> sort of situation uh, with Mike Kasecki. All right. On that note, I think it is time for us to shut it down. That is it. We are done. We appreciate you're hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. You know the drill tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember ghosts are bad liars because they're easy to see through. Take care of yourselves, be safe, wear a mask, and we will see you on Monday.